You're listening to episode 41 of the STEM Space. We're talking about the first step of the engineering design process. Identify the problem. Are you asking the right questions to get to the solution? That is the most important step, and we're going to discuss it today. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey. So I have a question to stretch your brain. Are you ready? I'm not ready for this. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So this is not like an actual question I'm asking you. I proposed this question to my students yesterday, and I want to see if you can figure out the answer. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to tailor it to you too. So you're standing on one side of a wide river and monkey your dog, (laughs) which hopefully our listeners understand that your dog's name is monkey. Monkey is on the other side of the river and you call out to her and she immediately runs to you, crosses the river without getting wet. There's no bridge and there's no boat. How did monkey get to you? Okay. So I'm on one side of the river. Yes. And monkey's like 10 feet away from me on the other side of the river. Yes. And it's a river with water, or is it dry? Is there no water? You're asking really good questions. So it's a river. It's not dry. Okay. <laughs> like, is this a riddle? Like, is there a trick to the question? <laughs> so the way that I approached it was trying to get my students to ask the right types of questions. Ooh. And then Did I'll I be able to answer test? for you. <laughs> no, you're asking really good questions. You actually got to the right kind of questions much faster than my students did, which is yes. good. <laughs> so keep going. I'm gonna see what okay. Um, was technology involved in this transfer of monkey coming to me? No, is completely natural. Monkey's pretty fat. So it wasn't <laughs> like wind or a hurricane or a tornado. <laughs> no, no. I mean, she may not get across very fast, but she could definitely do it. In the scenario. Yes. And she's not wet. She does not get wet. Is it a log in the water that she's like rolling on the log? No. So you're jumping to solutions too quickly. I think you need to stick with trying to ask more questions. Okay. So there's no technology involved. So it's totally natural. So is there a natural object involved? No, no natural object. Or any natural phenomena? Ooh, good question. Yes, there would be a natural phenomena. How long did it take? It's a good question. Kind of depends on how wide the river is and how fast monkey runs. (laughs) So there's running involved. There could be. She could have walked. Is she being attacked by something? (laughs) (laughs) No, you just call out to monkey. The monkey runs to you, crosses the river. Okay, so it's all natural. There was no human intervention in this process. Correct. Yes, there was no human intervention. Okay, so this natural thing, was it there before I called her out, called out to her? Probably, depending on what season it is. Ooh, oh, snow, ice. Ah, there you go. Yes, the river is frozen. Very nice. Ice, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's really cool. I was like picturing like drones picking her up and carrying her (laughs) over the river. That's, That's what my students went to. They're like helicopter. 
airplane, robot. Did somebody launch the dog like a football? <laughs> like, no, no, no. So once somebody, I had one student that figured it out without me really probing or giving leading answers, I guess I should say. And she asked, was this a certain day that this happened? And I said, probably, it was probably sometime, not now. And she was like, so it was not hot. And I said, correct. And that's when she's like, oh, it's frozen. And all the other students looked at her like, what? How did you do that? So the reason why I started doing this is that we do the engineering design process and we're trying to help give this tool to our students to allow them to think through a problem appropriately. And appropriately, I don't want to force like you have to follow this rigid system of solving a problem, right? But you don't want to jump into building before you really think through what you're doing. And that's what we're trying to do for our students, right? Right. And it's difficult to make them practice brainstorming or more specifically identifying the problem. And so I want to weekly bring them through these types of exercises to allow them to figure out how to ask the right questions. Normally, when we give a challenge, we give them what the problem is. Mm -hmm. But I want to be more broad in giving them a problem where they need to really figure out what the exact problem is before they figure out how they're going to answer it. Yeah. And so in my head is grad school, right? And I'm working on my final master's thesis, which is about the framework for K through 12 engineering education. There's a whole uh, blog post on it. Basically, these groups decided or defined what we consider to be part of engineering practices. And one of those is defining the problem. And that includes the design constraints. And they don't mean the teacher gives you the design constraints. They mean the students ask questions and really get at what should I consider here? And what does the customer say they want? And what do they actually want <laughs> and need? Is there a budget constraint? Are there other risk factors we should be considering? So I really, really love that connection. And I make that mistake in my classroom when I was doing Space Club. I would just say, okay. Today, you're going to design a roller coaster, and it must have three turns and land the ball in the cup. But I like the idea of having the students decide on those constraints. And I've started doing that in our new products that have come out recently, like the bird feeder challenge that we just published. It guides the educator, whoever is running the activity, in a discussion on, okay, we need to design a bird feeder. Well, what does that mean? First, who are the birds in our neighborhood? What do they need? What are the elements? So if they're young, we gave you some constraints that we think you should include. But if they're older, it's up to your kids to define that as a class. And I think that makes it so much more exciting and motivating for the kids because they've like defined it themselves. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And that's the really the end goal of why we do STEM challenges is we want them to be able to do this in the real world. And the real world not going to give you a problem that's specifically designed, right? And, and gives you those constraints. So that is awesome. I love that so much. And I'm also studying this in grad school. And we're working through this process of creative thinking and how to creatively problem solve. And they spend a whole lot of time on asking the right questions. And what was interesting is we learned that the CIA also thinks of how to solve a problem. And they've actually provided this list. It's called Phoenix, this checklist of good questions 
to help you come up with what is the actual problem that you need to solve in any kind of scenario. I thought was fascinating. And so there's questions on there like, why does this problem need to be solved? So maybe you're thinking of a problem that's you're missing the point. Like one example was there was somebody that had a mouse problem and they thought, what kind of mouse trap should I use? When really the problem was, how do you stop mice from getting in your house? Like mm. <laughs> you don't just need to trap them when they're in your house. Look, let's stop the actual problem. They're getting in your house somehow. Yeah. So like another question was what benefits come from solving this problem or what do you not understand yet? So maybe you need more information before you can even figure out what the problem is that you need to solve. Mm-hmm. And I think those help your kids be motivated and build some empathy. We've talked about before. Another project that we just created was the Pollinator Hotel, the Bee Hotel project. And there's a lot of backstory on why do we even need these and how the bee population is facing a lot of challenges right now. And here's what you can do to help. And that's the problem. So I think it provides that greater depth of context around just this, okay, let's go build this. Have fun. That's right. Yeah, I think that's great. And I want to be able to provide more tools in order to come up with what question you should be asking. So just like this Phoenix list from the CIA, there's lots of different practices or methods or tools that we can also teach our students to use that I've been using in my grad school class that seem kind of obvious, but really helps you work it out on paper. And so, for example, one of them that you might be familiar with is mapping out your idea. So it's kind of like those idea clouds or whatever, there's different names for it, where you put your actual question in the middle and then you start branching off of it and figure out, well, what other information do you know? And so like one example is, how do I keep my cat out of my bedroom at night? That's your main question. And so your problems that could branch off of that are like, Well, the reason why that I need the cat out of the bedroom is that I'm allergic to cats or maybe my cat's coming in the bedroom because it likes company. So you start thinking through all the different reasons why you might be asking this question or salute possible solutions. Then you might see that there's branches that come off of those a lot more in one spot than another. And that could lead you to what your actual question is. And there's other methods like And whenever you're talking about asking good questions, are you referring to the students or the teachers? Oh, that's a good question. I guess it could be both. I mean, a teacher, while you're planning, your challenges are going to be for your students, but also for your students. They, The goal is to be able to train your students how to be able to do this in the real world. So I think it's it could be both. Yes. And one of the Okay, so the first example that you had, the brain teaser, to me is an example of the way we should teach, right? So imagine that this river with the ice is some science concept that you're trying to get the kids to understand. You can do that through a series of really good questions that kind of guide them to the answer that you want and you turn their brains on. Like I was so engaged in this activity because you were asking me or I was forced to ask you questions, but it could be like reversed. You were giving me a little bit of information and then I got a little closer. I could not have figured it out myself. It was an abstract scenario that you just made up. (laughs) I didn't know the answer. And so in teaching, we can model really good questions that in turn the students can mimic right? And, you know, reflect what we're modeling in those design challenges. So I think it's totally a two-way street and it's something that kids struggle with. So my husband's brother is a teenager 
and he's 17, he just turned 17. And the other day I was like, I'm not going to let you leave until you ask me three questions. Because I realized the whole time we were sitting there, I was asking him questions. How was your day? How's it going? What, you know, are you looking Mm. forward to? And he never asked me a single question. And I was like, ask me anything you want. And he did not ask you a question. It was like the hardest assignment he'd ever gotten. Wow. (laughs) Because he just wasn't used to being the one to ask the questions. I think kids are used to being drilled by teachers and parents and adults. What do you want to be when you grow up? How was your day? What'd you eat for lunch? What's your favorite color? I don't know. Like all these questions. But then the kids are like, oh, I got to talk. I got to ask questions. Like asking questions is hard. And I think we don't get enough practice. So I love that you're forcing your students to do it. And another idea, you know, besides like this kind of brain teaser, this uh, scientific inquiry class that I'm in, in grad school, he stands at the door and he said, I did this when I was a science teacher. He was a high school science teacher. And he said, ask me X number of questions, you know, three questions before I allow you to leave. So the bell's about to ring, you know, and Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm waiting. And it would be about the topic. So say they're learning about like compounds, ask me three questions about compounds, something good. And if it was just a yes or no question, he wouldn't answer it. He's like, no, I want an actual like how or why question. So there's just so many ways where you can turn the brain of your kids on to be engaged. Yes, that's so true. And actually, I do something similar when I have my students line up and get ready to leave for the next class. I usually have them line up early. And so they're waiting for their teacher to arrive. So I always say, okay, it's time for 60 second science. And I have them just keep asking questions. So you have 60 seconds to ask me any question and I will give you an answer. And so they're rapidly trying to come up with something really quickly because there's only 60 seconds. So yeah, I love that. That's perfect. Ways to get these kids' minds thinking where they have to vocalize instead of just coming up with a response to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I'm really excited about continuing to do this with my class. And speaking of science, I know that you were taking some other courses in addition to this scientific inquiry class. So what do you have coming up? All right. So I'm in three classes. The scientific inquiry is really interesting because he's teaching us how to take cookbook labs, basically follow these procedures, do this experiment. You get these results into more of scientific inquiry. So students are driving the lab through questions. And then the other one is kind of an overview of curriculum and instruction as kind of a field. What are the trends? And then the third one is quantitative analysis of (laughs) education, which I know you're just so excited about this class that I'm taking. And you're like, Mm. we should do a whole series of podcasts. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, It is interesting. And I do want to bring it up in a future episode on how teachers can find evidence-based or research-backed curriculum and instructional strategies. Because I'm learning some really Mm -hmm. fascinating things and a lot of like politics and how they play into education is interesting. Yeah. But the scientific inquiry class, he in the next class, so in our next episode, so here's a little teaser, we do these inquiry labs for us to experience as educators what we could do to our students, right? So he wants us to experience this. You go through the process to like really understand how it works from a student Mm -hmm. perspective. And all he told us, he said, so classes at one o'clock, do not eat breakfast. So come hungry. (laughs) I know. So I'll be already upset (laughs) when it starts. Bring one pound bag of plain M&Ms. They can't be like the peanut or whatever. It has to be plain M&Ms. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) A sandwich, (laughs) a bag of chips, and a drink. 
and you're not allowed to eat any of it and bring it to class. And we are going to conduct two hands-on life science inquiry activities. So any guesses like what is about to happen to me? (laughs) I mean, okay. So I teach three-year-olds for one class and I can imagine this is going to be on the same level. He's asking a bunch of hangry grad students to show up with food, very specific food that you cannot touch. <laughs> Chocolate. <laughs> but, and not eat beforehand. And did he specify like you're bringing a brown bag lunch or did he just say like bring a sandwich? What I told you is what was in the email, like <laughs> exactly verbatim. And then it ended with there will be other food and you will have an opportunity to eat these items throughout the activity. Wait. So one I'm one I'm trying to figure out why a sandwich? Like it wasn't uh, bring a lunch, bring something you want to eat. Like what if I don't eat sandwiches? You know what I mean? Like why was that specific a sandwich and bag of chips? That was very like specific instructions. And then the M&Ms, there's different colors. So there maybe there's something there we're going to do with Mm. Boarding. But they have to be plain. But they have to be plain, which is weird. Why does that matter? Okay, so what I'm seeing is that you are the experiment. Mm-hmm. And first, he wants to see if you show up without eating any of those items. <laughs> and two, he's, he said that there's going to be other food. Yes. He's going to destroy the food that you bring and just see what, how you react. I feel like. (laughs) So this is not a, this is like a psychology experiment. (laughs) Okay. I am so fascinated and I want to talk to you immediately after and see how this goes down. I'm I'm just imagining I'll be sitting there hooked up to wires and he's going to (laughs) measure like my blood pressure and brain activity. And I don't know, (laughs) but it's supposed to be something you can do with your students. So I'm just excited to see how this torturous class goes. (laughs) Me too. Okay. Well, everybody tune in next time and find out how Natasha was tortured in her grad school class. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) 